Thank you for joining me for May's Home Run Club. I love saying May, man. That's Mother's Day. It means we're into the throes of spring and summer is coming. Love this time of year. So looking forward to enjoying another summer with my family. Hope you're doing the same with yours. And thank you again for partnering with us. You received this simple message we share with you each month because you have been a faithful supporter of what we seek to do and I appreciate it a lot. I want you to know at Winning at Home we are in the new office space that the Lord has given us guidance into. We are thankful that we are able to touch even more lives. Ask for your continued prayers as we fill up those offices which are already full but now as clients continue to come and people continue to come I pray that you would just join us in asking God to guide us to make a difference for his kingdom. That's why we do what we do here, not trying to get bigger. God has provided more opportunity for us, so we're simply seeking to be obedient and guide people to him. That's our goal this year is a very clear message in a very confused society, how to be more like Christ. And that's actually what I'm going to share with you in today's message. It was recorded. I spoke to a mom's group, and so this is going to be what I'm calling a little bit of a Mother's Day message. I talked about marriage. And so as you tune in, not the best recording. We didn't have the best setting for that, so the audio is not going to be the best. But the message is one that I believe will encourage you. And I thank you for joining me, and I pray as you listen that it would encourage your spirit. I also want to encourage you to save the date, November the 7th. That's a Tuesday. We have our every other year banquet. We don't do a banquet every year. So every other year we do one. This is a time where I'd love many of you who are listening right now to sponsor a table. Come and bring some friends. I want you to hear what God is doing at Winning at Home and how we're seeking to share a very clear message and say his name to our community and beyond. So please come and be a part of that night. Again, save the date, if you will, November the 7th, Tuesday night, starting about 6 o'clock at the Pinnacle Center, and we would love you to join us. Now join me as we go to where I was sharing this simple message that I hope will be an encouragement to all of you who are moms. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about marriage, but it's not going to be the speech you're expecting. Like I heard everything that you said. I love the love languages. I know the guy that wrote the book. He's a great guy. I love him. But it's not the most important thing in a marriage. I love all the ideas. I'm going to give you a couple today. I'm going to use those chairs over there. And I'm going to give you a marriage idea today. But I'm going to start with something I've learned in the last two years. I've been married 40 years. 40 years. And the things I've learned in the last two years have been the most shaping thing ever in my marriage. And let me tell you how it happened. My wife and I, we have a great relationship, but I, I messed up in the beginning. I heard preachers like me get up and say things like, hey, it's awesome you married your soulmate. If we were today sitting here in a marriage event and it were you with your spouse, the preacher will normally walk out. I used to do this. I don't do it anymore. A preacher will walk out and say something like, it's so good to see all of you here today with your soulmate. That's how we start a marriage event. And I know what's going on now inside of some of your hearts. You're thinking, this is my soulmate. (laughs) This person here who seems to not even know what it means to understand me is my soulmate. Because we get married with false ideas in our mind. I did. When I married Jane, I thought, Now, now, I will be with someone who will always understand me. 
Oh, I'm marrying a lady. Every one of my sexual needs will always be met. I can tell you at 19, that's exactly what I thought. And I had some warped sexual needs. I mean, I, I saw a lot of porn in college. And I remember thinking when I get married, we're going to do all that stuff. Not so much. And I look back and go, wow, I missed what scripture really says about marriage. Marriage, first of all, in the very beginning, Adam and Eve, Eve was called a helpmate. She was not called a soulmate. A soulmate is something you can work toward, but a helpmate is what you are given. And a helpmate can both, both go both ways. You can have a helpmate who actually comes along beside you and really encourages you and lifts you up. But on the other side of the coin, sometimes a person who is neglecting you, missing your needs, not getting the spots in your life important to you, not hitting those, that person can actually push you more toward Jesus. So in that way, they're a helpmate. Because like me, some of you sitting in the room, this won't connect with somebody here today. Somebody sitting in here, you've got the perfect soulmate and you just kind of ride around and you've got your Escalade, you've got three dogs and everything is perfect. But for the rest of you, like me, who don't have a perfect home, don't have a perfect marriage, sometimes wake up at 2.30 in the morning, you don't sleep well, You've got some issues with your children that you don't really know how to handle. I've come to talk to those of you who are in here today. And I want you to be encouraged. I found my favorite scripture verse on marriage in the last two years that I've ever preached about. I found it. It's not in Ephesians. It's not Philippians. It's not the love chapter. It's not any of that. It's Matthew 6.33. It's not even what you would call a marriage verse. As soon as I start quoting it, you're going to say, that's not a marriage verse. And I will tell you, I think it's the greatest marriage verse in the Bible. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all the other things, including marriage, will be added to it. You're looking at a guy who had this out of whack. I'm a preacher. I've been preaching for 30 years. And I had this out of whack. And I'm going to tell you why. I see Jesus. I love Jesus. But looking back, I can see that I put my priorities and my marriage in the wrong place. I actually had it without saying it. I had it above my relationship with Christ. And this is how I can prove it. Growing up with that dad I had who missed all my, my life, who wasn't involved in my life, etc. All I wanted, all I wanted was for him to want me. I wanted to be wanted by my dad. And I couldn't get it, no matter what I did. I worked for it. I fight for it. I still remember, I was probably 10 or 11 as a little boy. And mom, as I say, she was my protector. But one day, dad had gotten mad at me about something. And I remember our house was really small. It, it could be, I mean, I bet you it was 800 square feet. Very small home. And all the doors stayed open at night. Dad would not let me and my brother close the bedroom door. He required us to leave all the doors open at night. 
And he was laying in bed and he said to my mom out loud, he was mad at me about something, they were talking about me and I could hear them. And he said the phrase, Hello. Betty, that was her name, Betty, I'll tell you this, I just that boy had been born. He said that out loud. I was laying in bed, my brother's six years older, he heard it too, he held me. He said, Dad didn't mean that. Dad didn't mean that, he does love you. So the rest of my life, as a kid, I fought to get his love. Somebody in here had that same dad. Somebody in here fought too as a little girl. Because we just want to be wanted. And I never got it. Dad never did it. In fact, my dad passed away with COVID about a year and a half ago. I had him living with me up here in the Carolinas. I'm sorry, in, in Michigan, took him from the Carolinas. The mom had been passed. And y'all you, you, want to hear something funny? It's not funny, but it kind of is. So, like, when dad was still alive, go back two years ago, wherever I would speak, like, say today, came to Chapel Point, spoke to the Bloom Group. If I went to visit him after this and would go back to the nursing home, I had him in a nursing home about two and a half, three miles from my house. When I would go visit him, he would say to me, where have you been this week? Oh, I went over to Chapel Point and spoke to a women's group. Oh, is that a good church? Yeah, it's a nice church. This, this would be his next statement. Do they want you to stay? Can you get any church that wants you to stay? Because I'm a traveling preacher. And in his mind, the reason I had to travel because I wasn't good enough to get a church to keep me. Wow. 62. So go back. I was 60 years old and still had a dad who didn't believe it. And when you have that, you start looking for someone to fill those voids. And some of you here in the room today, you did what I did. So I get married, I'm 19, 20, I get married when I'm 21. I marry this lady, she's 22, she's really mature. And I thought to myself, now, I shifted everything that I always looked for, I shifted everything that I saw in my dad. Now, I believed in Jesus. I, I knew and heard the verse, seek Jesus first. I've heard all that, but I've transferred all that looking for it in dad. So when I get married, I shift all that need, that want, that please fill all my holes. Please make me really happy. Please just do what it is I'm looking for in this world. I give that now to you, Jane. I switched it from dad. And at 21, I shifted it to Jane and said, now you meet all my needs. You fill me up. When I'm hurting, take care of me. Do all this for me. And say it out loud. I, I didn't command it. I just had it in the back of my mind. And I called this marriage soulmate oneness. And guess what? She can't do it. She can't meet all those criteria. She's not Jesus. She's Jane. And I sure couldn't do it for her. A lady whose father walked out when she was seven, left her mom with six children. That's the home Jane grew up in. 
no father met needs either. So here we are getting married, both of us thinking, ah, finally. And it wasn't too long, as most of you have discovered, that you realize this person can't do it. But I fought for it. I'm a competitive type person, as Crystal said. And so I thought, no, we can do this. We'll figure it out. We'll meet each other's needs. And she'll always meet mine. And that led to a lot of disagreements. Led to a lot of hard times. We have a great marriage. I love Jane to death. But she said to me, I'm, I'm a kind of an open, transparent speaker. Okay? I'm telling you the facts. She said to me about two years ago, I'd really love to finish our life peaceful. And I was like, what? We are. Aren't you peaceful? No. What do you mean? We're peaceful. Well, I mean, yeah, overall we are, but... Ready? Ready? There's just things in life I'll never be able to fulfill for you. And I just always feel so inadequate. Wow. I've got a wife who, after 40 years of marriage, looked at me and said, you make me feel inadequate. And I didn't say much. I listened to her, and I walked away, and I contemplated these kind of things. Wow, I lead winning at home. I'm a traveling preacher. I go and speak at places, and the people just, they, they, they like me. They, they enjoy when I come and speak. <laughs> but my wife... I make her feel inadequate. What kind of dude is that? And I begin to ponder that. I begin to ponder my funeral. I'm a lot closer to mine than y'all are. I'm older, 62. And I begin to ponder, wow, when I pass. So like if there's a receiving line and people are walking up, I, be I begin to picture this. People are walking up, meeting my wife, and let's say I'm gone, and, and she, and people, oh, your husband was so, we loved it, we loved it. And her, would, would she be standing there going, I wish you'd have done that for me. I wish you would have made me feel valued as much as these people appear to be valued. And I thought to myself, I'm not doing that. I'm competitive. And I was like, mm -mm. no, no, no. I said to her, all right, babe. Went to her one day. I said, babe, you said we're not peaceful. What would that look like? And she said these words. Ready? Love me for who God made me to be. Don't try to make me into somebody that you need to fill all your needs. Boom. I'm connected with somebody right now. There is some lady in this room. You have looked to your husband to fulfill your needs your voids, those things in your life. And I'm going to challenge you today to rethink that because he can't. He can't. I can give you some tips. I'm going to give you some. I told you. I'm going to give you some practical tools. I'm going to give you some things you can leave with today and use in your marriage. But the first thing I got to do is get the foundation set on this fact. You girls listen to me today. You ladies in this room, listen to me. You are good enough 
just like you are, and God loves you right there, right there. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to do backflips. You don't have to do cartwheels. You don't have to do this. You don't have to cook for all the family. None of that. God loves you, period. Done. It's over. And I had to discover this. And I've discovered it in the last year. In great depth. I fought so long to get dad to do it. I fought so long to get Jane to do it. And then preachers, us preachers, we don't even see it about ourselves, but we find a lot of our value through our performance. How'd you do today? How'd the people respond? And I got to tell you all today, I, if some of you like what I'm saying, I'm really glad. I hope it connects with your spirit. But my value today is not found in how you think about me, what you think about me. My value is found in the fact, what's this? I'm God's boy, and I'm good, because I'm his boy, and that is enough. You're God's girl. You don't need your husband's value in you. You don't need your dad's value in you. You don't need any of that stuff to be worth it. You're worth it because you're worth it because you're his creation. Done. Sealed. Over. You're good enough right now. And I'm discovering that. And I'm seeing that. Because I'm realizing God is my first priority. Seek first his kingdom. And I got to tell you about me. I was always trying to be good enough so Jane would be happy. I wanted to be good enough and provide enough and bring enough to the table that she would go, you're a great husband. And I wanted to be one to provide the needs and the physical needs and the spiritual needs and the emotional needs so that you would go, you're a good husband. I'm a, I am God's boy and I need to first find my identity right there. And somebody in the room today, maybe I only came for two people today, but there's somebody in this room you need to hear these words. You are enough because you are God's girl. He created you and because of that, you can rest and find peace knowing he will meet your needs. What does that look like? Sit with him and let him help you with those voids in, in the places and spaces of your life where you, you just don't think you're good enough. Sit with God and let him tell you you are. When I was uh, 16, it's kind of funny, I ran a grocery store. It's kind of funny that at the age of 16 I would do this. Mr. Deadweiler owned this store. It was kind of like... It was a prima donna. It had like Meyer does. It had shoes and it had clothing and it had uh, groceries and it had a meat market. It, was a, it wasn't a huge store, probably about the size of this room. But I, at the age of 16, he would go to Clemson football games in the Carolinas and I would run the store at 16. Crazy to think about that. So people in there shopping, etc. There was this family that would come in on Saturdays during the football games. This family was the Evans family. And Ms. Evans would come in with all of her kids. I think she had seven or eight kids. It was, it was melee when they came in. And they would go up and down the aisles. I remember when they'd leave, I have to clean the place up. But her oldest son name was Paul. Paul was one year younger than me, so he would have been 15. And Paul had lots of... Um, physical needs he his body was shriveled in a bit he would walk like this um, he was bullied a lot at school i remember i befriended paul even in high school when i would have been 
And, you know, at that point, probably 10th, 11th grade, he was a year younger. He would get pushed in the hall, and I would pick him up. I just loved Paul. I just, maybe it was early ministry in me and a heart for people, but I, I cared for Paul. He was the oldest in the family, so they would come in the grocery store. And at the end of the shopping time, the mom, Ms. Evans, would look at all the kids, and they were all younger than Paul, and, and she would say to him, in, in Deadwater's shopping center, he had it figured out, he had all the candy right there at the checkout, and I would be checking the family out, their groceries, and Ms. Evans would say to the children, hey kids, get whatever candy you want, just pick it out right now, pick out, and then she would turn to Paul and say, not you, Paul, you stand over here. And it was just, it was his whole life was like that. And I, I had befriended Paul, and we kind of had a deal that his mom didn't know about because I told him about it in school. I said, when your mom comes in and does that stuff, you just go ahead and stand over the side and then just wait a minute and let all the kids go out with her to put the groceries away. And I'll let you fill your pockets up with whatever candy you want. It was our little deal. I probably need to pay Mr. Deadbiler because I never did. I just gave all the candy away. As I've grown up and aged, as I've gone through this last couple of years of my life, I don't know why, but that story and that thought of Paul came back to my life. I'm Paul Evans. My whole stinking life, I've stood over here going, you, you're not good enough. You, 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 you don't fit all the needs. You, you, you're not enough. You're not capable. You're, you're not... Mm. And you stand over here going, man, and some of you in this room do this. Look over there how good they got. They're, they're, they're getting all the candy. And God has just reminded me, I feel the voids of the Paul Evans of this world. I am the one who stuffs their pocket full. Nobody else decides that about you. God does. Today, he wants to put something in, in somebody's heart in here as a mom. You're tired. You're weary. Your journey's long. I understand what you do is tiring. I understand that it doesn't come with a lot of accolades. You don't get trophies for what you do. So on those days when you're feeling like, I'm boy today. And I got a husband who's coming home and shoot, he's going to want this and this and this. And I got nothing. I want you to say, God, fill my pockets. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying so hard. I, I try so hard. I look back at my life. I tried so hard to meet every need of Jane. I can't. She tried to meet my needs. I can't. We're both sitting there crying because we can't meet each other's needs perfectly. Let's turn to our Father. He somehow is able to put stuff in my pockets I don't even know exists. But you got to spend time with him to get that. And you go, Dan, I, I don't even have time for that. The only thing, I get it. But you've got to be intentional going, God wants me. I want him back. And all of you are living in a culture that devalues you, tries to change your sex, tries to tell you your children aren't yours, all these nonsensical things. And God's word says very clearly to every lady in here today, seek first his kingdom 
and the rest of this stuff seems to figure itself out. I've been doing this. And I'm going to show you how I've been doing this. I'm going to give you a few practical ways that Dan Seaborn has been practicing this in his house, okay? So I'm going to I'm going to show you the first way I did it. So Jane and I, I think you guys at least will be able to see that I got a couple chairs up here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to show you what a typical day would have been like in our home. And I want you to see if this makes any sense to you. So typically, Jane and I, I'm just going to use two chairs to represent it. On a normal day, just like you have at your house, we're doing life, etc. And we get on the wrong page with each other. Just not connecting. Frustrated about something. And when I sit down, I know you won't be able to see me real great. I'll stand back up, but I want to make the point. So I'd sit over here and James sit over there. And we would try to discuss this thing or talk about this thing. And we just clash. Just, mm, she's not getting me. And she's thinking, he's not understanding me. We're just missing each other. So after Jane shared this with me, I said, something's going to change. She doesn't feel peaceful. And this is one of the moments that makes her not feel peaceful. I'm doing something different. I'm one who goes, if something's not working, let's fix it. So I told her, oh, Jane, next time we disagree, we have an issue come up. I'm going to introduce into our conversation what I'm calling the third chair. Three chairs. It's not just going to be me and you anymore in these discussions. Uh, we're going to put a chair. Literally, I did it. I went and grabbed a chair. If she's sitting on the couch and I'm over on the love seat or whatever we're doing, I go and get the kitchen chair and I bring it in, sit it dead between us and go, we're going to do something different. Because things are going to change. We're going to activate Jesus being with us in the room. So this third chair is going to represent Jesus. Now, I'll tell you, this is literally what I did. I put a chair down and I said, Jane, I'm going to sit here and you sit over there. And I want you to pretend, I want you to imagine Jesus is literally with us right now in the room. We're going to seek him first. And I said, so let's start discussing this idea. I'm going to tell you, if you pretend and see Jesus in the chair, everything changes about your body language. Like if I'm sitting here and James starts talking to me, I don't do like this. You don't do that. You're like... Hi, good to see you. Hello, Jesus. Good morning. Hi, <laughs> babe. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Smile. Something changed in me. I, I said to her, babe, I don't understand how you think the way you do on this issue. It just makes no sense to me. But with Jesus here, I want to try to understand why you think the way you do. Like, why? How did your brain get to the way it is on this topic? And I'd start listening. And I did this on purpose. I would listen without preparing my response. Now, how often is your husband speaking to you about something and already within the first three words you're going, well, that's wrong. <laughs> two words later, well, that's two. And you keep this running list in your head, well, that ain't right. And you show it by body language. And this changed. And I, I made myself take all my responses and my rebuttal and push them over here. I made myself push it out and go, I'm going to listen. 40 years into my marriage, that's over 14,000 days. And I finally might be starting to do this right. 
I want to hear what you have to say, and I'm really going to listen. I'm going to join you, Jesus, in listening to it. And she would share, and she'd start, start telling me why she thinks the way she does and why she feels this way about an idea or, or a topic. And I can, I can tell you that something started changing inside me. I would call it the Spirit of the Lord. Some of you need to activate the Spirit of the Lord in your marriage. It's a game changer. And I would start listening to her. And I'd go, Jane, tell me. And she would finish. And I honestly, nine times out of ten, nine out of ten, if I go back, we started doing this about a year and a half ago. Nine times out of ten, she would finish. And I would go, babe, I would, like, my brain doesn't process that way. I would have never thought that way. I like what, I like your thinking there. I'd have never thought that way, but that's good. And then she would say something to me like, well, tell me what you're thinking. And I honestly go, I don't, I don't need to. That's a new me right there. Because I like to tell you why I think the way I think. But I don't need to. And what began to happen was, she's over here feeling loved, feeling valued, just because I'm listening. Because I've, I've changed my spirit because I invited the Lord to be a part of this little ring. And I just listened. And, and then, because I was doing that so consistently, she would literally go, oh, will you please, will you please tell me the way you're thinking? What? She's begging me to talk about why I feel the way I feel. That's unusual. Because there was a softness that began to happen. Now, let me show you something. You can do the third chair if you want to, but Jesus already is in your room. I did this to remind myself. I'm guessing most of you in this room are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you aren't, I invite you today to consider pulling the third chair into your life, period, and just saying, Jesus, I... We need you. I need you. Please forgive me for not recognizing you died and rose again. I want to accept you into my life. But for the rest of us, including the preacher that's talking to you today, I really don't have an excuse. I knew Jesus was available. I just didn't activate him. And some of you in here today, like me, you got to be tired of this battle. You got to be tired of this constant going back and forth. And you're not, you're not getting it. You just don't get me. I must have married the wrong person. That's where we go. And when you activate Jesus, something changes. Of I told Jane the other day. This was uh, two weeks ago. We've been traveling a lot. We'll be in Pennsylvania this weekend. I said to her the other day, God gave me you. On purpose. All these years I've, I've tried to change some things about you. He gave me you on purpose so I could learn some new things about my own life. So thankful that you're my wife and he allowed me to marry you. Thank you for being my wife all these years. He smile. Valuing each other. But it only happened because I found my value first. In him. My value is not first in her. What she thinks about me. 
My values and what my father thinks about me. My heavenly father. And today, that's true for you too. You're good because you're his girl. And when you get that figured out, this, oh, it falls, all these other things. Oh, that's what the verse says. It falls into its proper place. The reason we struggle many times in our marriage is because we've got our relationship out of whack. God isn't in his proper place. Another thing the Lord showed me, and I'll, I'll use the two chairs as another little illustration, because somebody does this to your husband all the time, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell you that the Lord showed me this. I was actually walking the beach in Florida. I was just chilling. Jane was reading the book. She loves to read a book. I love to watch, uh, walk the beach. I love to look for shark teeth and all that kind of stuff. I'm just walking. I'm not thinking about this. I'm not thinking about scripture. I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'm just relaxing. And in my, in my mind, in my mind, all of a sudden, on the beach, it wasn't really there, but just in my mind, there were these two cones, like those orange cones out in the, you know, in the parking lot. I'm using two chairs here as an illustration. And I was like, what is this? What, what, what am I thinking? What, what's these cones? And I felt like the Lord just said, Dan, in your marriage, I want you to see these two cones as the way I made your wife. This is Jane. You love to try to realign the cons. I, I'll use these two chairs. I, I, all my married life, I have said to Jane, I love you. I married you. You're awesome. But if you would just be this way a little bit more, then I could really love you. If you just adjust this. I don't like how you do it. If you would just adjust this so it's more the way I like it. Now, I could really love you there if you're like that. If you could do that, then two weeks later, actually, I need to make a tweak here. I'm not like, it's good, but I want to do this. Some of you do this to your husband. If you would just be like so-and-so's husband, he, you see how he does that? You actually say the words. Or some of you just think, if you would do that, if you do that, then I would maybe help you with some of those things, those needs. If you'd, do, if you'd be who I want you to be. And the Lord laid on my heart, when I created Jane, I made her like this. Love her for that. Like, love her for the way I created her. But Lord, I don't love her for how I created her to think, to be, etc. Just love her. Because that's how I love you, Dan. Let me be the one to work on her life if there's work that needs to be done, not you. So I quit doing it. I quit bringing things up. I will tell you, it's pretty likely on this trip to Pennsylvania this weekend, it's pretty likely at some point after we get the rental car, we got it like an hour to drive. It's pretty likely because I never do it anymore. It's pretty likely she'll say, baby, is there anything in my life that has been bothering you lately that I could work on? No, I'm good. Are you sure? I'm good. It's a new me. I want to finish our life together peaceful. The one person I could work on, me. She sees that. She sees that I work hard at trying to be a better man. And it motivates her to want to be better too. 
Somebody listening right now goes, my husband, <laughs> I could become Jesus and he won't change. I would just challenge you, go be like Jesus. Because in the long run, in the end, I can only speak about my mom. I told you at the beginning, that lady lived a godly life in the middle of a hell home. She finished life so peaceful. Looked right at me. I had to leave her. She was dying. Um, she had, her lungs had been filled with fluids and she had a lot of physical things at the end of her life. And I remember looking right at her. Mom, I got to go preach and so-and-so and then I'm going to come back and check on you again. I had to fly to another state. I said, I'll come back and see you. And she said, and if you don't make it back, son, it's all good. I'm God's girl. I'll be with him soon. Mom, you went through a lot on this earth. It's all good, son. And today I want to just, I'm trying to put your life in perspective, ladies. Some of you got a two-year-old. As soon as we're done, you're like, I enjoyed the speech, but get ready for my world. I get it. You're going to be busy. You're going to be running. You might have to intentionally stop today and think about the three chairs. The two cones. But I want you to do it. And I want you to ask yourself, where do I find my identity first? Make sure it's God. Do not let it be a husband. He can't ever fully meet all your needs. I hope what I'm saying today makes sense. I have a heart for you. Driving over here, I was like, Jesus, help me point these ladies to you. I'm trying to say his name clearly. He is the answer for your marriage. He is the answer for your life, for your parenting. And I want you to know your life shapers. Go shape those lives. And set that example of knowing your identity is in Christ. So Lord, I pray over these moms today. I don't know their lives, I don't know their circumstances, I don't know what they deal with on a regular basis. But I'm, I'm walking out and standing dead in the center of them. Because they care about their hearts and their souls and who they are as people. And I pray that you bless their homes. Be with the lady today whose marriage is in a really tough spot. She's listening and her heart aches. Comfort her right now. Remind her you made her and because of that she's good enough right there. Period. Done. Sealed. Because she's your girl. Help her to find her value in you today and her encouragement in your spirit today. You are the one who can do that. No human can. Bless the kids that are about to go home with these moms. Some of them are really challenging kids. And I pray you give that mom wisdom to raise that child to grow up to find their identity in you. Let them set that example. I pray, like with my mom. I didn't get it. I didn't know what I, at 10 or 11, I had no idea. At the age these kids are picking up, I had no idea what my mom did for me. So help these moms to stay true and faithful. Run the race. Finish the course. In the world we live in, social media pulls at them all the time, compares them. And I pray they would today, just for this little moment we've had together, be reminded 
you're God when we are not. And we place ourselves, our families, and everything we have at your feet. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for taking time to listen to these simple thoughts. Again, practical ideas of how we grow to be more like Christ through all the brokenness and stuff we face as people. And I hope and pray that the message was an encouragement to you. And I also hope you have a great Mother's Day, moms who are listening, and then just a super month of May. Enjoy this time with your family and bless you much. And thank you for your faithful support of Winning at Home.